Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today it's all about rock and roll radio and Ronnie Radke. Ronnie's here from Fallen in Reverse making his Talk is Jericho debut. And if you haven't seen the video for their new single Voices in My Head, you got to check that out on YouTube. Ronnie has a series of fights against himself. Did most of the stunt work himself as well on the video. It's very well done. He talks about that in this upcoming conversation. Ronnie and Falling in Reverse are also wrapping up the Rockzilla tour with Papa Roach and Hollywood Undead. Their last show is tonight, August 31st in Nashville. Then Falling in Reverse is doing a couple festivals this fall. They'll be at Will Rockfest September 24th in Illinois. Aftershock in Sacramento on October 7th. Ronnie's talking about touring, fan interactions, and he gets really candid about the two and a half years he spent in prison. He talks about what landed him there, what it was like to do the time, how hard it was to assimilate himself back into normal society after he got released. He shares thoughts about his Escape the Fate bandmates abandoning him while he was in prison. He explains how he was able to put Falling in Reverse together behind bars and write the song as it became their first album when he was released. You hear uh, how he's eventually able to make amends with Escape the Fate and what his hard-fought success with Falling in Reverse means to him. Great musical discussion with Ronnie Radke. Before we get to it, have you booked your cabin for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at C4 Leaf Clover? Still cabins left at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. You can come now, vaccinated, unvaccinated. The rules have changed. We welcome everybody. And we set sail February 2nd. We're going to our own private island for the first time ever, Grand Cayman Key. Uh, the talent lineup is stocked as well. AEW will be on board. we got comedy, live music, paranormal experiences with Dave Schrader. So much going on. Come enjoy the vacation of a lifetime. Book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. All right, let's get to Ronnie Radke and falling in reverse right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. We were just saying I haven't seen Ronnie Radke since probably backstage in Atlanta, maybe five years ago or so. Yeah. You guys were touring with Motionless and White, I think it was. Yeah. A lot has happened in that time frame, but it's cool to me because you guys got lots of cool stuff going on, including a really big tour. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it's been crazy. Yeah. It's, I can't believe that it's happening like this. It's insane. Tickets are crazy and all that stuff. So the excitement is unreal. It's a great bill. It's Papa Roach. It's falling in reverse. It's uh, bad wolves, Hollywood undead. I mean, these that's kind of the secret right now is doing the big package tours to get kind of the most for your buck, right? The biggest ba- uh, bang? Yeah, for sure. Is this the biggest tour that you guys have done? Yeah, it, it's the tour's been absolutely insane. I mean, it's been seven, 8,000 tickets, arenas. Uh, the merch is insane. The merch signifies how well the band is doing. And I could tell you that I'm like, oh, okay, so we're supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. I was a little nervous because uh, we're going to all these midwest places where papa roach thrives but we've never really played these places and i was just like well this is probably just going to be you know papa roach's show a little nervous and then we go on stage and i'm like oh wait no this is crazy oh my god mm. it's very very sick it's very cool it's like you know dream any musician that starts a band dreams to walk onto an arena floor and the whole crowd is there to see you that's just a dream that any musician will ever want you know what i mean so totally living that dream for sure so it's crazy well especially like you said because it's it's like you you see the tour poster and it's papa roach and fall in reverse it's like the two kind of co-headlining at least the spots are the same so i'm sure it's a little like you said a little nervous at first like yeah they're gonna come see us too or that sort of a thing right oh yeah at first the first couple days i was like man this is crazy and then i was like nah this is this is right where we're supposed to be I don't know if you know Papa Roach, but they're so cool about everything. And that really helps a lot because they've been around, you know. Sure. It helps a lot. There's no real ego. It's just more um, confidence and talent. You know what I mean? So that really makes such a difference, too. Like we've been on tours before with, you know, a headlining band where they're kind of you know, dickish, so to speak. And it's like, what? Why? Why are we doing this? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like when you get older as a musician, as a successful musician, I all the successful musicians that are older, they're all so nice, usually. And mm. I'm, I'm not going to name some mean ones, but <laughs> usually all the older ones like Corey Taylor I've met. Yes. Or I know I met, like I know him, you know, personally. He's so nice. It's just like you reach a certain level and you just, 
it's hard to explain, I guess. It's just the the ego, I guess. You know, all the older musicians that have been around the block are just a lot cooler. I think it's like that for almost anybody in show business. Like the bigger the star, for the most part, the cooler they are. Yeah. You know, like if you go on tour with Metallica or like with us, we did Kiss or even we played a couple shows with Iron Maiden. Top of the line. It's like the, everybody's cool. Anything you need, you know, beer in the dressing room signed to, from Iron Maiden. And like that's just, I think, because they know their place. They know they're freaking Iron Maiden and Metallica and Kiss. There's nobody going to take our spot, right? Maybe some of the middle guys feel a little bit differently than that. Exactly. As I've gotten older, you know, and I've been doing this for a really long time, I've noticed myself kind of being a little more grateful when I'm on stage. I don't have much to prove when it comes to being aggressive or I don't know. It's different for sure. I, I understand why when you get older and you're doing well, you just kind of take it all in and you, cause it could be much worse. Mm -hmm. You could be like 45 years old, 50 years old playing at a dive bar. And there's like, you do like $40 in merch, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So there's a lot grateful for for sure you appreciate it the older you get too just how rare it is to get to this spot i think when you're younger you just think well of course i'm headlining an arena why wouldn't i be yeah and then you like david lee roth said once here today gone later today it can be gone that quickly right very true yeah i'm just glad that i did well early on i'm glad i didn't do this well right now when right. i was like 24 because i don't think i would have appreciated it as much as i do right now for sure. Right, right, you know, right. Like a thousand caps, 2000 was super exciting, you know, mm -hmm. to do like 8,000 and it's like a hockey arena. Right now, for me personally, I just look out there and I really appreciate it instead of just letting it go by and getting hammered and like forgetting about it kind of thing. So it's interesting because I, I remember even years ago, my niece um, was obsessed with Ronnie Radke. Oh my gosh, it was probably maybe 10 years ago, you've always had a great relationship with the fans right out of the gate. I mean, even back with Escape the Fate and now obviously with Falling in Reverse, what is your relationship with the fans and why has there always been such a great connection for you? I don't know about a great connection. I feel like um, that's cool that she was like that. Uh, hopefully she's still like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't always have a great connection. I was a dickhead, I guess. Mm -hmm. Not a dickhead, but I would just be more honest you know people filming me when i'm eating i'll be really rude to them and i i just some things i just cannot stand you know and um and i feel like you're, you're human and you and you're going through it you know people should understand that but um you know i've been called an asshole and <laughs> yeah, i wrote a song about it actually but um i just kind of try to be as honest as i can with the fans and with myself i just don't like seeing i see a lot of musicians on twitter and um I'm like, that's not who you are, dude. You're that's not who you are behind, you know, like this very diplomatic and, you know, I'm just like that, that kind of crap is so fake to me. And I, and I just try to be very um, candid with the fans and honest, you know, sometimes comes across as mean. Most people appreciate it, I, I think, but um, yeah, I'm not always uh, perfect to the fans, but um, I don't know why they like me. I literally don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> For real. I said it on stage so many times, like, why do you like me? I don't understand. So, <laughs> And now everybody has a phone, right? So like yeah. you said, people are filming. I get it all the time where someone's it's like, dude, if you want to take a picture, just ask. The filming when I'm just standing in an airport or standing at a restaurant, oh. it really does kind of like, I can see you. You're not a spy. At least try and hide it a little bit or something. But it's just like. I hate when they hide it. I, I just don't like it. Man. I think it's so rude. Just come up to me and, and be brave and get your answer. Don't be rude, man. That's so mm -hmm. to me. I'm not I'm not an animal in a cage or yeah. you just don't have the balls to come up to me. I understand. But if you don't have the balls, don't like you're not like doing this kind of pretending like I, we can all <laughs> see you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure with you because you're like literally world renowned and everybody knows who you are. You know what I mean? So you've been doing this for so long. Like me. You could see it before it happens, fan. You're like, hey, fan. Yeah. Fan, 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 fan. You're like, you're like, oh, they're getting the phone out. They're like, no, they're not. I'm like, yep, they're about to film right now. They're about to film right now. You already just, you know. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's rude. 
And if, if anybody's out there and they're listening to this, I appreciate just when you just walk up and you say, Hey, I really appreciate your music. And uh, if you have the time, I, I'd love to take a picture. If not, it's cool. That's it. And nine times out of 10, you'll do it, right? Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, but you filmed me eating macaroni salad at a Kigoba. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got shit all on my face. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Really? At least let me know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's cool to see, like, one of the things I think has really built the band over the last few years is is having that presence on on rock radio which i never realized how important rock radio is in 2020 21 22 until we started getting played on rock radio did you feel the same because you just recently had your first number one just a couple years ago yeah dude i'm so appreciative man i always wanted to be a radio rock band but i didn't i didn't have the wherewithal like i didn't have the capacity i just wanted uh, to be very artistic and uh do whatever i wanted to do and then um we wrote the song oh i wrote the song popular monster that was not intended for radio so that's what's so cool about how natural that happened they played that on radio and that went to number one and then went platinum and that is not a radio song but i guess now it is the format is different it's changing but um i can't believe that happened you know, the, the bridge is like full time and it's mm-hmm. like death metal scream. I'm right, like, right. I'm like, this ain't going to go on the radio. There's, this is too weird. You know, I even said that to my engineer and we were like, yeah, let's just make it cool then. And it went to number one. But before I would do songs for the fans and I wasn't thinking about rock radio. Now I'm thinking about both and I'm really appreciative. And I've seen we go from 2000 cap rooms to 8000 cap rooms within a matter of two or three years i've had two number one hit singles mm-hmm. and third one is going is like top 10 right now so you've had a couple i i love your song that i don't know if it's new it's newer the the crazy one. Oh, sane sane yeah thank you it's dope well once again like you said we had a, a couple songs that were hits we never got to number one yet because that's another thing people don't realize to get to the top 20 is hard to get to the top 10 is very hard to get anywhere past that, that's when all the real chess games come in because there is so much that has to go into having a number one song. I don't know if people realize how hard that is to get it. I mean, it is very hard. Yeah, because then you got like Muse, Red Hot Chili Peppers dropping songs. You got all these bands that immediately go to number one because they've been around for so long and they're so huge. So you got to battle them. It's hard. And the radio people have to like it and have to spin it more times yeah it's just a whole thing for sure and then now iheart radio they have to get involved and they won't even look at it until you get into the top 10 mm-hmm. which is a whole other thing because actually right now your song voices in my head it's right behind our song i still burn we're kind of neck and neck and we've been going up the charts together Let's which go. is always cool to see you know yeah it's cool to see yeah i love that dude are you a numbers type of guy do you follow that uh hundred percent yeah I'm very competitive in a healthy way. Yeah. I love that. People are like, oh, it's not about being competitive. Okay, then why do they make number one, billboard number one? Then? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you don't want to be number one? Okay, well, then if you're not competitive, you, then you shouldn't strive to be number one. Then. So right. I love that. I want to be number one because it's what makes you successful in a sense of gaining more fans and stuff. So, yeah, I care all about that stuff. I'm reading all of it, you know. Do you do the same like at night, every night with the numbers on, on the shows? Like how many tickets were sold and your merch numbers and all that stuff? Comparing them and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too much of that. Yeah. But that doesn't surprise me, man, because I'm the same way. I, I find that people kind of that you get the, the artists. Oh, I just want to play guitar. And that, that's great. I'm an artist, too. I'm also a businessman and I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm, I like to analyze and kind of see like, why is this market down? Why is this one up? Mm-hmm. All that stuff counts. Yeah, it does. I think more uh, when you make songs that are topical, I mean, dude, like your song, that song that I love saying, yeah, it's so good. It's, that's just it. It's bottom line. It's good. Period. People who don't realize if it's just a good song, how far that will take you. Right. It's just a good song. There's nothing else to explain about it. Does it take you a long time to write these songs? You spend a lot of time on every single detail. They kind of just fall out depending. No, dude, I re 
rewrite the chorus probably like five or six times mm. my trick is i'll um write the chorus i'm like and then that day i'll be so stoked and convinced and then i'll wake up in the morning and play it and you know how when you, when you listen to music in the morning it's just a different feeling or that's right yeah it sounds better in the morning and then uh six days later if i wake up and i'm like this is a hit then i know six days later if i wake up i'm like i don't know man this is I don't know. And that's when I know I got to change it. So I agree with that. You got to sleep on a, a few years ago. I was, uh, I worked with, um, a bullet from a Valentine and, and yeah. Matt, Matt called me up and he was like, we're writing a song a day and recording it that night. I think this is the album is called temper temper. And I was like, ah, man, that's, that's ballsy dude. Yeah. It's you're right. And record that night. And that's it. Like you, you have to, in my opinion, spend time with it. Like you said, and, Everything you come up with first is genius. Right. And then you come back the next day and it's like, eh, I don't know about that. Not that good. Yeah. Exactly. People don't realize how hard it is to be in the studio. People think you just go in the studio and you make a cool song. No, no. You got to be really talented, raw and hardworking to make consecutive, really good songs all the time. That's why I appreciate all uh, these bands that put out really good songs all the time. It's really, it's not easy to just whip a song together especially in this climate where everything has a sound really good and makes really good. Cause there's, you know, everybody's just getting good from their apartments, dude. You know, right. Good call. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the videos that you guys have done. Cause I watched uh, Zombified, and obviously um, popular monster was a great one. And then voices in my head, like they're very kind of has a little bit of a vibe that Spencer does with ice nine kills. You could tell he's putting a lot of time into creating these little stories, but very high effects and all that sort of stuff. Are you kind of behind the concepts of those? Yeah. I'm, I'm the reason they're there for sure. So I've from my escape to fate to now I've always, had crazy videos where they were just so outrageous just this past six years with started with the song called losing my mind mm -hmm. where i started creating bigger songs and bigger stories and it was kind of they linked together mm. and then eventually we've gotten to this point yeah where it's just outrageous you know uh zombified is insane i can't believe they're listening to me i'm like <laughs> all right well, i want i want a bunch of zombies in a big city, you know, that's expensive. Right. Then I want UFOs to come. Imagine me explaining this to them. They're like, what? And then <laughs> they suck up all the zombies. And then we think everything's cool. And then we jump into a monster's mouth. And they're all just like, <laughs> okay. You know, though, so it turned out very good. But so how, how are you able to do those? Because obviously there's a lot of effects in that and a lot of CGI and all that sort of a thing. I just, it's cost money. <laughs> yeah. Right. A lot of, Lots of it. people would like, like to save that money for, to live and stuff. And I would give all that money. I'll give my car away for that video. That video of cars come and go. That video is going to be forever. So it's way more important, important. It's an investment in my eyes. So, well, and that's the thing. I mean, I've always been a proponent of you got to spend money to make money. Yeah. Especially if you want to go to the top, like you got to spend that money. I mean, I look at Kiss, how much they're spending even to this day with costumes and production and everything like that. I mean, it really does make a difference. People look at that. Yeah, for sure. Do you do the same thing when you're, when you do your shows? Do you have a lot of production? A lot of lights. I'm obsessed with lasers, lights, and video back walls. Oh yeah. I'm not really like the guy in a costume come out or none of that. <laughs> yeah. Kind. Right, right, right. Some people like that. Uh, it's interesting, but I'm more of like the digital cyberpunk, like a EDM festival. I like the, like the electronic side of it, like to make it look futuristic mostly. So. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes sense though. Yeah. Do you um, spend a lot of time like designing the actual lights or do you work with designers or how, how, do, you, how do you figure it out? Oh, uh, we just, I'm like, I want the lasers and then they, the, I leave it to the professionals on that side. I'm, I'm not very hands-on with mm -hmm. the i want you know, on the creative side and then they'll just make it and they'll i'll get the approval uh they'll get the approval from me and then uh it looks insane you know so and that's like even like with the with the voices in my head video where you're basically fighting yourself all different versions of yourself that was that was a, a great idea that was hard work for sure in what way me doing the stunts there's uh two parts where i'm not doing the stunts but that's me doing all the fighting and all the um like flying in the air and stuff mm. on the road had the bruises and I was fasting. So I looked really good. So I was fasting on top of that. 
you know, how camera adds 10 pounds. So mm-hmm. I had to and I had to do like 13 hour days, three days and for three days, right. Filming just a music video, a three minute and 10 second music video. It was hard. <laughs> Burn all those calories and fight. And it was crazy for sure. But you're fighting yourself. Yeah. A bunch of me's like, uh, so it was like a, a kind of a stunt double type of a thing and you, and you would just kind of yeah. fill in the blanks later. Yeah. The stunt team was so cool, man. They taught me a, a bunch of stuff. They told me they're like, you picked it up so well. And uh, usually we'd be doing more stunts for you. And uh, it's surprising that you were able to do it. I was like, it's my first time ever doing anything like this. So, well, and you're and like, once again, you're in great shape, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's very important as well as a lead singer to be in that shape. But you got to spend a lot of time training too. Does that what you, does that help you kill some time on the road? I work out every day with one day off, but um, I'm just grateful my band does too. If it was just me, it'd be a little bit harder, you know. Mm-hmm. On tour, I just don't drink. I think drinking, you know, I stopped drinking a long time ago. I used to drink and trash stuff and be fun, and you know, and it's a little bit more boring. But drinking, I would not work out. Right, right, right. When you're when you're 38 or you, like when you get past a certain age, it, the hangovers are like three days long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. So that's helped. So being sober is definitely helping me go to the gym. What was the catalyst for you to stop drinking? The how bad you feel. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I cannot. This is outrageous. You know, I just wake up and feel awful. Like um, anxiety. Sometimes get panic attacks, and it was just started not being worth it to me you know it was fun but no it's it's hard enough to be on the road and also too it's hard when you're a singer that's the worst part because when you're if you're a guitar player you know and you go get up and stay up all night i mean you can kind of hang hide behind your guitar Uh when you're a singer you know and you go out and you're yeah you know it is talking loudly over the music and all that other stuff etc 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 it's you up man it does. Yeah, you got to take care of yourself for sure. When you're 25, it's cool. You do whatever you want. But uh, when you're like headed to 40 and you're like singing like screaming death metal notes and singing <laughs> and rapping and you have to run around, like not just stand still. Yeah, you got to you gotta figure it out. So. got uh, a, a cool project coming out you're, you're I'm assuming it's your first book is it's an autobiography yeah it's got some weird stuff in it <laughs> well let's talk about that because i've written a few books it's, it's not the easiest thing to do but it's also a pretty uh cathartic experience yeah the book's called i can explain it's i named it that because it's really funny to me because i've gotten in so much trouble and have a bad reputation and but people love me but i get a lot of crap online and stuff like that so it was a perfect i can explain kind of it's a perfect name for me and it's just explains uh you know me going to prison and me um getting out going to prison addicted to drugs getting sober dealing with post-traumatic stress from prison stuff like that Hmm. early life you know that's interesting man i mean that's because you've had quite the story and you've told it a million times but but when you mentioned being in prison addicted to drugs while you're actually in jail uh yeah county jail you don't go straight to prison but right. you go to county jail and they send you to prison yeah i went to county jail addicted to opiates so opiates are really fun but they are not fun if you don't have them mm. you feel really bad you feel awful and when i say really fun i'm not glorifying them so if anybody's watching having a hard time that's not what i'm saying right they're fun while they lasted you know they're not worth it they kill you you know but um yeah they're not fun withdrawing in jail because you don't you don't get all the benefits of withdrawing in your bed it's just it was awful just put it like that did you have to go get like treatment to try and kick it or did it take a long time to to get over that about two weeks but they okay don't care about you they don't care you tell them you're withdrawing and they give you like this i don't even know what it was it just makes you sleep Mm. but it did not help right i swear right when i was feeling well enough to like not like lay down i went to court in jail and they're like you're going to prison oh my gosh i feel i feel good enough to this and now i'm going to prison i'm like oh my god yeah yeah. So I took a razor and I 
shaved, I had long hair. I shaved my hair because I thought, you know, get raped and, you know, and stuff like that, like the movies. But right. that's not what happens. It's not like that. Mm. It's completely not like that. Maybe like 1992 or something, right. but it wasn't like that. So I went into a prison with the worst haircut. Ever <laughs> really funny. Well, dude, once again, you did, I think, two and a half years. I, I did 72 hours a couple of years ago. Just like you said, you are, you could be a hot shot outside. You go in, I don't care if it's for an hour or 10 years, instantly. That is the reality check of all reality checks ever. Yeah. How was that for you to kind of click your mind into that? Because like you said, dude, that's two and a half years and you're in a very successful band, Escape the Fate at the time. It took, it destroyed me. You know, it destroyed anybody that- Sure band and your band's going up and then you get everything taken away and it's all your fault it's my fault yeah a lot of people are like oh i could never do that i would kill myself people say that all the time i'll never go to prison like no you go and you'll survive the human brain is crazy what it endures you, you go to jail the first 72 hours it's awful by the way county jail is way worse than prison yeah it's way worse like the food yeah that's where i was county jail right that's where you go first right way worse yeah it was terrible. Prison's more dangerous, you know, in a sense of like people don't care. They have life. They they'll kill you. You know what I mean? It's right. More, but county jail is disgustingly dirty. Yeah. And the food, I mean, it's just worse. Did it's you ever get the bologna sandwich in a plastic bag with a cookie on top that tastes like bologna sandwich? Oh yeah. That's that's a connection <laughs> we'll always have. You want a bologna sandwich cookie? <laughs> Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's great. I didn't know that. I didn't know that county was worse than actual prison. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. County's where people stay for a little bit. Yeah. So it's worse. And uh, prison's where they live. So the food's a little bit better. The food's better, period. The feeling's different. It's way more dangerous and it's traumatizing and post-traumatic stress. Yeah, I, I got, you know, it's like a soldier going to war and coming home. Hmm. The same part of the brain. Because you're in like a war zone. The biggest, scariest guys in there are terrified. They're mm -hmm. terrified. They'll tear everybody's scared in there. Because, you know, you're looking around. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Makes you kind of paranoid, for reals. When you said you had PTSD, is that just because of that feeling of always having to watch your back and all that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So you're in there. I was in a prison riot. I wasn't in it, but I was in the middle of it. It was the Serenios versus the Blacks, and the Whites had to lay down and couldn't be involved. But there was like a guard, he had a shotgun from his thing and he would shoot. Mm. It's called bird shots, it had salt in it, so it wasn't lethal. And that was loud. And uh, there's just a lot of moments that are very warlike and uh, scary. So then you go from that and then they're like, all right, good luck. Mm. <laughs> and then you go outside and, and everything's so big. You're so used to like being confined and small and the same colors. Mm -hmm. And then they let and everything's super colorful everything's far away it seems everything's like super far away you know you have to make decisions and there you don't make they make the decisions for you hmm. you have like a couple decisions you can make and everything else is they tell you when to eat they tell you what you're going to eat they tell you when you're you know hmm. and then now all of a sudden you have to make all these decisions after being institutionalized for years so it was stressful it's very traumatic i went to therapy for two times a week for two years. I can see that. I can, I can totally see that. It's like the, I mean, it's not the same, but Shawshank Redemption where the dude gets out and he wants to get back in because his whole life has been, like you said, living within this system. And now you're on your own, right? Yeah. I was in there for two and a half years. Thankfully it wasn't 10 because yeah. I feel like you reach a certain point after you've been in there so long that you want to go back. I never wanted to go back. Yeah. I remember walking into a subway for the first time. Yeah. And, they were like, what do you want? And I just had a, a complete meltdown. Oh, wow. There was just so many things. I was like, I, 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 I don't know. And I just had to start trembling and I had to leave and stuff. My friends had to order for me. It was wild. That makes sense though, man. It's, 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 yeah. it's admirable you went through that, but it's also admirable to me that you were able to start falling in reverse while you were in prison. How the hell did you do that? Yeah. So I would, this, you know play that's how i made a lot of my songs I, all the songs you know couldn't sing really loud i didn't want to annoy people 
So I had to like kind of whisper it. So I had to get my voice back when I got out. Mm. I was like doing this, doing this instead of like right. belting. Right, right. So I had to relearn all that. That didn't take too long. I wrote all the songs like that, like a singing the guitar parts and stuff it was i had a lot all the time in the world so i just write the lyrics thankfully i know how to write songs and i would keep them in my head mm. i'm so thankful for that because a lot of people they don't have that capacity you know so i was very grateful for that were you able to remember because you couldn't record on anything right oh i mean i was doing it every day over and over gotcha you know you do that every day for two and a half years you're gonna remember you know so did you put together a lineup as well, or did you just have this idea of here's the songs and I'll find guys to play with? Uh, there's someone that was helping me, helping me that was out there, but he started getting uh, a lot of attention. And I feel like that went to his head. So he, he didn't understand how to take that, mm -hmm. but he started just letting people join the band. I was like in prison. <laughs> right. It was weird, but yeah, there was one guy named Jackie. He's very good. Uh, solos and stuff and it kind of formulated and like that and i got out and i was so oh my god man i couldn't go in public must have been a nightmare being in band with me i couldn't do anything because because of your mental state yeah and i was aggressive too hmm. i couldn't help it i was super aggressive just hindsight is 2020 i'll just tell you that for sure did you know like you said you're in for two and a half years did you know like okay i'm getting out on you know may 12th or or was it kind of like you had to go for probation or how did that work i went for probation they didn't let me out on probation thankfully i'm glad they didn't gotcha because they they wouldn't let me leave mm. and just all my time i was supposed to get on on my birthday and they're so disgustingly mean in there that they my release date was my birthday they let me out the next day oh yeah wow yeah Dude, I, I remember when I, like, once again, I'm not comparing because this is just my own little experience. I, ha I had a piece of paper and I was writing by the hour, like one, two, three, four, five, you know, six. And when I got to that 72nd hour, I was like, if I would have had to stay for another hour, I would have lost my mind because I was counting one, two, three, four, 59, 60. It's 72 hours. Can I get out now? Can I get out now? Like I was just so like, oh, yeah. that extra day must have felt like an eternity for you. It was wild. Couldn't sleep. You know that feeling, you know, when you, they, cause they escort, you know, they're releasing you. Yeah. You get dopamine. Like it, it's un indescribable. Mm -hmm. Like I get what I'm talking about. They uh, roll it up and they open the loud door and they're like, come on. You're like, what do you mean? Come on. I'm, you're letting me go. And they're like, yeah. Right. You just, the whole thing floods your body. And then right before you get released, they probably put you in this room. And then there's the mm -hmm. door that opens outside and then the other door closes mm -hmm. and then that door opens and it's outside you walk out and you're like for you since you weren't in there and you weren't traumatized you know in a sense you're probably like oh. yeah you know i'm going to cracker barrel <laughs> yeah it's probably yeah. incredible i already know yeah i went to jail and they let me out in like 24 hours 36 hours i've done that too i know that yeah incredible getting out So when you got out just now, you're talking about you've got some songs that you've written in your head and on the desk. Yeah. Uh, was it hard to get a new record deal? Were you kind of like untouchable or were they waiting for Ronnie Radke to get out? They're waiting. Yeah. They were scared. I was going to They waited like a month or two to see if I was going to go straight to drugs. And I didn't. Right. Way too traumatized to do drugs. Yeah. Right. No way. Yeah. I drink beer. Because I thought it would help my anxiety. It helped, but it just made it worse every morning, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was the same label that I went in with. We just kind of immediately went. I went to Florida and made my first album. And it was a huge album, too. Drug Me Is You it was very big. It was big, yeah. Yeah. For the time, for the time, it did well. Yeah. You made it with uh, with Elvis, too, right? With Mike yeah. Basket? Yeah. Yeah. How was he working with knowing what you had just gone through? Was he a guy that you had known before? I know I, he he's the reason I got signed because he did my first demo and he did my Escape the Fate album too. Gotcha, gotcha. My demo sounded so good back then, so the label's like, "Who the hell did this? This sounds all the other demos sound like crap in all the bands, and this one sounded like high produced." Mm -hmm. The label was instantly interested, so he, he I knew him in Vegas. We did a lot of 
<laughs> never mind actually we did a lot of we had a lot of fun <laughs> we did we had a lot of fun for sure but um that was a long time ago but yeah he understood it was still hard i was very oh man i was so messed up i was so messed up getting out of prison and making an album you know i had to stay in a little hotel i was comfortable inside a hotel i didn't want to leave because it was a smaller room maybe you had smaller I just had so much anxiety, dude, around people. People made me nervous. Hmm. They're like, their facial expressions would make me nervous. I'm completely not like that anymore. Like, I could be in large groups. I can have conversations with anybody now, but um, hmm. not then. I had full meltdowns. I couldn't be with more than one person at a time. If there's two people in the room, I, it made me feel very crazy. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Social anxiety, insane, man. Which is interesting because you're the front man of a rock and roll band, which means when you're on stage, you got to be the party host and the and the focus of the of everyone's attention. Yeah, that was fine. Bizarre, because it was loud. I was protected by how loud it was. Hmm. It was usually when it got really quiet, because in prison, if it got really quiet, something really bad was going to happen. Hmm. You could tell, because it would get really quiet, and I'd be like, is it me? Uh-oh. would be like, Hey, what's happening right now? Like, oh, so, so, so-and-so is going to, I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, are you telling me the truth right now? Yeah. For reals, you don't know. Is someone going to do something? Right. When it gets really quiet in there, the energy changes. So I think I relate that with when I got out, if it got really quiet, if the room got really quiet, I'm looking around, especially when people know I went to prison and they just meet me. Mm-hmm. They're not very loud or like themselves they they're kind of shy or they get quiet and they don't realize that, that was bad so it was it sucked for sure did you have a lot of fan support when you were in, in jail like do they send you letters or did you have an email that you could access or, or anything like that oh yeah. i got thousands of letters for sure mm-hmm. the cops the ceos hated that dude because they have to check every letter oh. <laughs> i know i i got probably more than that they probably threw away a lot of letters. I'd get some from Czech Republic, Russia, Germany, hmm. every day, every single day. So, And they have to read it, too. Oh, wow. I don't think they read most of them. Sure. Because, you know, it's a, a security risk. Yeah. You don't know what they're sending, what they're saying. So technically, they're supposed to read all of the letters before they give you them. They got to check to make sure someone's not trying to send you a file or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> how, how important were those letters to you at that time? That was the, one of the most important things. Hmm. Yeah. One of the most important things in the entire world, because that's all I had. It seemed, I mean, I had a TV, I could watch TV and I had friends I could call, but the letters were just the last sign of hope for having any type of career and identity in music, that identity that I identified in music for sure so all the people that sent me that really helped me a lot mentally for sure oh absolutely i can see that yeah how long how long did it take for you to kind of uh i guess forgive your other band for letting you go or firing you whatever it was when you were gone did it take have you made amends with them now oh i love them i do okay that's great yeah they're you know they're like brothers because we were in high school together yeah I've known him since we were like 15, 16. But um, the moment I forgave them was when I when I walked on stage knowing they just played before me. Oh. <laughs> For real, never forget it. I walked on stage and I knew. I was like, yep, it's fine now. Was it a festival or were you guys touring together? or what? They were opening for me on a tour. Oh, wow. Yeah. That must have been huge to put that together. Yeah. It took a lot of their egos to be set aside, you know. Mm-hmm. Now it's, you know, I see them on festivals and we're at the top, on the top line, which is hard to do, man. It takes years to get to the very top. You have You're the right. Kiss or Ghost. I'm like, does my name even deserve to be up here? It feels so crazy. I'm like, that name looks weird up there. But <laughs> and fate, I'm, and I'm not dissing them. I'm just being yeah. They're really small and they're at the bottom. And I'm like, God, good Lord, that could have been me, you know? Right. So it is what it is, man. That's how the world works sometimes. 
and it makes me grateful. I'm just very grateful, very grateful for being myself, staying true to myself and having the capacity to write songs that people like. Yeah. And I kind of disagree with you. I, and I, once again, I'm not just saying this because you're here, but like I said, I go back to my niece when she was younger, she was all about Ronnie Radke. If, if you were still in escape the fate or whether you were in, you know, Joe puke and the chunky bits, I think you would have gotten to the next level just because it's you, you have that connection, man. It is what it is. Yeah. And you know, I think part of it is always never being too confident or, um, thinking you have all all in the bag yeah i have people always running out into the crowd and making sure there's a lot of people there still how do you mean i'm just worried that people aren't going to show up still oh i see i'm like bro are there a lot of people i'm constantly asking you mean before you hit the stage (laughs) dude i'm the same way i get my sound guy every night can you take a picture from the front of house and let me see what it looks like i gotta know (laughs) yeah because if you're too confident it's gonna hurt a lot worse yeah when there's people don't show up or something so and my crew will be like bro they're here to see you dude and i'm like yeah, yeah but are there is there a lot like what does it look like yeah. like yes look at it man what are you talking about? <laughs> they all, you know, every day every show every single show it's like a groundhog day you know i'm the same way though like obviously our band is a fraction of as big as yours but it's like if I'm always nervous, like if no one shows up, that's on me. Like it's my fault. And it if, hurts. If, it hurts. It hurts. And you know, you have to get on stage and weather the storm. Like if it's a thousand cap room and you only, there's only 200 people in there. I mean, I guess that's cool. You know, people are like, that's cool. It's cool. You know, you're not for you. If you're standing on stage, you're just like, yeah. And you know, yeah, you I know. Pretend it doesn't bother you. No. And, 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 you know, you still got to, perform and entertain the people that show up yeah you know what i mean so it's it's a lot easier to play a sold out gig than it is to play a 20 or 30 percent full one that's for sure for sure how was it for you, for you during the lockdown like i mean obviously for all of us it sucked but did that affect you or did you use it to write new music or what did you do with it i wrote popular monster in the lockdown oh there you go and I exploded on Twitch. On Twitch, I was the number two most subscribed channel in the world. Oh, wow. Number one had 60,000 subscribers, and I was number two. I had 40,000. And that was uh, subscriptions are $5 a piece, and that's monthly. Jeez Louise, man. Yeah. It was insane. It was insane. And uh, I just remember, and I was a musician. I was the only musician ever to do that. And I was proud of that because like we were in a pandemic, man. So I was just very proud of being the number two most subscribed channel because all these gamers and stuff like that. But um, it was really crazy. And there was a lot of people that picked it up and it was on news sites. And I think with that and the mix of popular monster, it just really helped my image and career. Mm -hmm. A lot of bands kind of tanked during the pandemic. And that's another reason why I'm grateful because I got bigger than I ever got. Maybe because of the pandemic, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You had to take advantage of it. You know what I mean? That's what I did. Yeah. Rather than making excuses, I just thought of try to do new new things to stay creative and stay, you know, entertaining people, right? Yeah, it worked. I thrived in the pandemic. When people ask me, I 100% thrived. <laughs> what did you do on Twitch? Did you play video games or what did you do? I did some insane stuff, dude. I made my whole house a green room or a green screen. Yeah. And I made like, there was like scenes where I would switch. There was like eight monitors. I was like Doc from Back to the Future. Like, <laughs> oh man. Like it was, I became so obsessed with streaming because uh, there was nothing to do. I was like, well, I can probably make a scene and make it look like this. And it was just me standing in all these different video game worlds i guess it was crazy it it helped me a lot because a lot of the fans came over and they would just watch me every day and they said you helped me get through the pandemic you know what i mean yeah yeah it was like mario world and it was you know <laughs> i'm just like yeah doing all these weird things so because yeah. most people just go on twitch and play video games right yeah i play video games after i did that but you were the actual video game yeah I was like 40,000 subs a month man, <laughs> at $5 per month. That's not bad dude, for being a pandemic. We're being stuck at home. It's not bad at all, man. No, it's not. 
As we start to wind down, man, uh, what have been some of your favorite tours that you've done with Fong in, in reverse? Some of the bands that you've toured with? Papa Roach. This tour we're doing right now is my, by far my top favorite because they're so nice and so sweet. Hollywood and Dead and Bad Wolves are all, there's no bullshit. It's just cool. Right. And then I would say, man, there's so many favorite bands I've toured with. Holy hell. Um, Any big ones that you that you grew up kind of admiring? No, we've always headlined and I've always wanted to open for big bands. I'm trying to remember. It's going to come to me after we hang up. Who was it that you liked when you were, that, that if you were opening for somebody, who would you like? Oh, I've, I've, uh, my Chemical Romance. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah. That was one of my favorites. I mean, I played shows with Under Oath, this, this hardcore yeah, band. Like, of course, yeah. Metallica. What am I saying, dude? We played this festival just recently with Metallica. Okay. <laughs> Rockville, I think it's. Yeah, welcome to Rockville in the, in Jacksonville, right? Daytona. Whatever. Daytona. Yeah, absolutely insane, dude. We went on stage, got off stage, Mudvayne went on stage, and then Metallica. And that was it. That was the end of the, the thing. So we got to be on that same stage. So it was ridiculous. I mean, it's Metallica. Right. It's so awesome, man. No, man, that, that, that's cool to see. Uh, I was going to ask you before, too. You mentioned a couple of times about people bagging on you in social media and that sort of a thing. You, I, I noticed that you recently took a break from all that is that important to do that would you suggest to people to do that once in a while i think they should do that all the time the internet the internet ruined the world i think it did a lot of good things for me and, and i'm grateful for that but i think uh too much of a good thing is a bad thing it's i feel like it's ruined people's perspectives especially when you're young and impressionable mm -hmm. thinking get away with saying whatever you want growing up like that is not good i'm glad that i went went outside rode my bike hmm. and i got hurt and got fist fights with the neighborhood kids and you know i was rugged and i was a, a little boy and i did things outside i don't know mm -hmm. i was got in trouble and did not sat in my room all day and right mean to celebrities oh my god it's ridiculous i don't understand that but um i've gained fixed thicker skin for being on the internet for so long absorbing the you know the hey comments don't they don't affect me anymore. Mm -hmm. But I took a break because the band got bigger and I have a big mouth and I just literally get in so much trouble, mm -hmm. man, saying I will say stuff that people you're not supposed to say. For <laughs> sure. I won't say it on here and we're going to keep it cool on here. But, you know, I have strong opinions on things. So I'm not political, but I certain things going on right now. I just do not agree with. So, yeah, I'm not a very political guy. I'm not red or blue or anything like that, but I just disagree with some things. Well, it's also hard sometimes too. Like I said, you have to have a thick skin, especially when you're a singer or wrestler or an actor, or whatever it may be. Yeah. But people are just mean. You really wish I would die. Like you're really, you're really putting that out in you. I wish you would die or like, are you, really? Come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I hate the most is when somebody does die and then you got people like, well, you guys are sad that he died. Yeah. In 1985, he like right. rested for this. It's kind of messed up, guys. That kind of stuff. Yeah, it bothers me. Kobe Bryant died. It's just that's why I mean by the internet ruining people or ruining the world in that sense. It's just you got to learn how to navigate through it. So, do you ever um, give advice to people? Like, do people contact you that have been in jail or or in jail? Now you're kind of almost a, a role model for a lot of people, as, as much as you might not like to admit that, but I can see that happening. Yeah, there's a lot. I get a lot of messages like, I've been sober for this long. How do you, you know, some musicians, too, that have been canceled. Mm -hmm. They're like, how did you do it? Like, how do you deal with this? How are you still okay? How are you still not canceled? And I always tell them, did you apologize? They're like, yeah, I'm like. That's why. Why are you apologizing? Hmm. You're going to apologize for the person you were 10 years ago right now right. to a girl named Susie in Kansas that's 17 years uh, old? Right. No, thank you. They can go They can go themselves. I'm not apologizing. I already did my time. I, I'm not a bad person. You're not going to make... If I was a bad person, I wouldn't be supported by all these legends that I looked up to. You know, I wouldn't have a band. They would all leave me if I was this kind of person. Right. They don't realize that. Like, your favorite band are my friends, dude. <laughs> you know, 
do them just spouting off, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense, dude. That makes sense. And you're right. You're totally right. And that's why. Yeah. yeah. Last few things for you. You got a, a new EP coming out uh, very quickly. Some new music. Why not a full record? Uh, I just like to really just focus all my energy on one song at a time because it's done so well for me. Mm-hmm. When bands do full albums, details get lost. Right. You have like three good songs, right? And you push those songs and then you have a rest of the album. Album could be amazing. You're rolling dice or you could lose the details as you're going along. Mm-hmm. Then you put like your filler tracks or your least favorite tracks is like number eight. Mm-hmm. I don't want any of those. I want them all to be like, holy shit, mm-hmm. this is good. This is good. This is good. This is good kind of thing. So that's why I'm doing that. It's kind of the way of the world now. You know, I, I, even for us, our, we put a record out in May, but it already had two or three singles released prior to that over the previous two years, even. Yeah. So it's more about the single and the song coming out and focusing on just one. Oh, yeah. That would be my word of advice to any bands, longtime bands or new bands starting out. Like, just put all your energy into each song. Worry about that song and not the album. That's my opinion. That personal opinion. No, you're not wrong, dude. You're not wrong. What's your favorite song to play live? Favorite song would be for the crowd reaction. Right now, it's either the voices in my head because they go absolutely insane. <laughs> Zombified or Popular Monster. They go so crazy for all those. I have some old songs they go crazy for, but um, it just feels good because the energy, you know, you release your first album and most bands have to play that single off the first album last for the rest of their career. Right. Not me. I have to keep playing my new <laughs> songs last. That's big, dude. That's huge. That's a dream for any band. I tell that, I say that on stage. I'm like, you guys don't realize that I just played my hit single from my first record and I still have four more songs to go and they go crazy. <laughs> I don't understand what that means to me and all musicians that are in that position. It's incredible. Dude, it's been great talking to you, man. Awesome. Finally get a chance to connect and uh, yeah. I, I respect all you've been through and all the work that you've been doing and uh, congrats on everything. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. We'll see you down the road somewhere for sure. Right on, man. I'll see you later. <laughs>